Welcome to SL Advisors Talks Energy. I'm Simon Lack. At SL Advisors, we invest in energy infrastructure. We read about energy. We talk to people in the energy sector. We write about energy. We explore how the shale revolution is leading to American energy independence and how climate change is impacting how energy is produced and used. Nothing we say should be construed as a sale of securities, which can only be made through the relevant prospectus. In this week's podcast, I'm going to talk about market volatility, valuations in midstream energy, and Canada's new way to export its crude oil. It's been a volatile week with tariffs on China roiling markets. It's still our working assumption that President Trump is going to look for a deal with China and take the the trade disputes off the table in time for next year's election. I can't remember a president in modern times who's been so focused on the level of the stock market. There's so many tweets from Trump on Dow's up, making a new record and so on. I feel pretty comfortable that uh, he's going to make sure this issue has gone away by next year uh, when it's time for the election. Not quite as sure as we were a week ago because I didn't think he'd put this last round of tariffs in, but I still think that's, that's a pretty decent assumption. Meantime, bond yields, of course, have fallen a lot. And we think that bond yields at this level actually reflect widespread fear, right? Widespread risk aversion. And I was chatting to a number of different investors about this this week. Uh, There's $14 trillion worth of sovereign debt that has a negative yield. Interest rates are not low because bond investors think the returns are going to be good. Those bonds are being held by investors because they'd rather hold bonds than have more risky assets, including stock. And we think it represents fairly widespread fear at some level that there's some possibility of another financial crisis. It was only 10 or 11 years ago and a gut-wrenching experience for all of us that went through that. And I think that that widespread risk aversion is actually a long-term positive for equities because I think it shows that rather than there being uh, lots of sort of euphoria or speculation in equities, it actually shows that enormous amounts of capital are allocated you know, with a, with a bond allocation in spite of low yields reflecting a fair degree of concern that there could be, uh, could be another downturn. So stocks have been volatile, energy stocks have been more volatile, and investors have been asking us why energy stocks are down again this week. And I think there's a number of reasons. Energy clearly is the most out of favor sector in equities. I think that because it's been relatively weak when the market goes down, energy tends to go farther. But valuations are really compelling. I mean, it's pretty incredible when you look at some of these numbers and some of these companies have reported this week, energy transfer yields 9%. It's two times covered by the distributable cash flow. Leverage has been coming down. Growth CapEx numbers are coming down. EBITDA, a surprise to the upside. Uh, Williams companies, huge natural gas operator, is another example, yields over 6%, and that's a trailing dividend yield, yields over 6%. That's also two times covered by their distributed cash flow. Even Enlink, which is a smaller pipeline company, fired its CEO and lowered guidance, brought back the old CEO, Barry Davis, but still has a 15% yield, which they expect to maintain and in fact grow for the next 12 months. So midterm energy infrastructure earnings were generally good. Uh, sentiment remains extremely poor. I think that that's uh, 
a history of misallocated cash. This is really something that has not just been unique to pipeline companies. Energy stocks have, have been criticized for some years for spending too much of their cash back in the business in terms of new projects, whether it's uh, new production or new pipelines and, and not spending enough of that cash on buybacks and on dividends. Uh, we do see positive signs on that. We do see that plans for spending on growth projects are down this year for pipeline companies compared to last year. So we think that's very possible. Weak commodity prices, especially natural gas. Natural gas has been in the US very soft. And I think that's certainly uh, weighed on sentiment. Hasn't really hurt the companies that move it. Uh, Williams had been weak going into earnings. Earnings came out, showed that uh, their operating results are really not affected by low natural gas prices. You had the same thing for Chenier when they reported. I mean, they typically have 20-year contracts uh, on on moving natural gas uh, through their, their system. And also climate change. And uh, it's hard to measure. You can't really say how much of a factor that is. It comes up regularly in conversations with investors. There's certainly lots and lots to read about climate change. The Democrats, of course, have taken some very, very liberal positions through the primary debates on climate change. And so I think investors perceive some political risk around fossil fuels going into next year, some risk of public policy changes. I think that that really misses the the technical aspects of how we get our energy. Renewables in the near term are clearly not going to not going to solve the problem. America's not going to solve the problem. America's only 15% of emissions. China burns half the coal in the world. And so while renewables will continue to grow and continue to gain market share, there's a still a, a huge future for oil and, and natural gas and NGLs. Fossil fuels provide over 80% of the world's energy today. And every uh, sensible forecast we look at shows that that uh, number is going to stay over 80% even in 20 years' time. China has very aggressive plans to greatly increase its use of natural gas. They want to double the share of their energy that comes from natural gas, which means they'll need to more than double how much they import because the energy use will be going up. So you have these different issues. All of them, I think, can be answered. Cash is being allocated more intelligently going forward. I think that earnings are certainly good. Commodity prices, I don't think, are having a huge impact on operating results for pipeline stocks. And climate change uh, is not about to change how the world uh, uses its energy. So we're happy to see towards the end of the week, uh, midstream energy infrastructure get a nice bounce. But it's been a volatile week, and we've had a lot of discussions with investors about that. So finally, I want to turn to Canada. Canada has had uh, enormous challenges in getting its crude oil out of the country. Uh, Alberta is a big producer of fruit oil, uh, the oil sands that they like to call it in Canada, the tar sands. It's, it's not a particularly nice form of crude oil. It's bitumen based. It's very viscous, very thick. It's very expensive to produce, but Canada produces it and sells it. And, and it's very, very difficult for them to access enough infrastructure to get it out of the country. Uh, one of the consequences of that is that Canadian crude often trades, in fact, really always trades at a pretty big discount to other benchmarks. The Keystone XL, of course, has been delayed probably 10 years, I would say, by now. Looks like TC Energy uh, used to be called TransCanada. Looks like they're finally going to build that. But nonetheless, there's still not enough ways to get crude oil out of Canada. Enbridge told us uh, a couple of months ago when we were meeting with them that Enbridge is a big Canadian pipeline company, that they wouldn't try building another oil pipeline within Canada 
given the political climate, pretty amazing and pretty dispiriting if you live in Alberta. They'd only build a pipeline if it was fully within the province of Alberta, but nothing that was going to go beyond that. So we came across plans to build a railway from Alberta, from uh, Edmonton and Fort McMurray, up through Northwest Canada, through the Yukon Territory and up to Alaska, with the idea of taking crude oil by rail from Alberta up to where it could be uh, put through to export to world markets through export ports on the southwest coast of Alaska. Pretty amazing that Canada is contemplating moving crude by rail. This is what these pipeline protesters have done. Pipelines are the safest way to move oil. And in 2013, six years ago, there was that horrible disaster, that crash of a crude oil carrying rail cars in Quebec. 47 people died. There was a huge fireball, really gruesome pictures. And yet pipeline protesters who think that they're doing things to help the environment are actually forcing companies to look at alternatives to pipelines and in terms of how to move their crude out of the country. And, and so that's what they've done. So the railway is going to travel up from Alberta through the Yukon Territory. There's uh, all kinds of uh, minerals reserves up in Yukon as well, which will be more accessible now because if there's a railroad uh, running close by, it'll be cheaper to access them. And so it's an interesting story to follow for us. We know one of the people who's closely involved in that project. It's going to take some years, I, I know, to get from the planning stage that it's at now to completion. But I think it illustrates certainly that there's all kinds of ongoing demand for oil and gas. Clearly, Canada looking for ways, new ways to get its crude oil out of market, out to global markets. And so I think that's interesting to follow. I think the project really illustrates long-term demand for crude oil is going to be there in the minds of people who are willing to commit capital and time and energy to it. And I think you've got to put that against uh, a lot of the, the fear-mongering that you hear from uh, climate change activists who will have you believe that crude oil demand is going to disappear within a short period of time. And there's lots of evidence to show that that's really not the case and that we're going to be using oil, gas and, and natural gas liquids for many, many years to come. Thank you for listening to SL Advisors Talks Energy. To find more episodes like this one, go to our website, sl-advisors.com. There you can sign up for our blog, watch videos and webinars. Follow us on iTunes and Spotify. And follow us on Twitter, at Simon Lapp.